0: Friends, we're doing this sermon series called Witness at the Cross, and we're looking at different individuals who have encountered Christ. Uh, And today, um, uh, we want to show you some of our faces of our church members who have encountered Christ. So uh, take a listen.
1: So, the first time I came to church was when I was in preschool. My my mom had brought me here and I came to preschool and I met Caitlin and then her mom. That's how we created our bond and then Sunday school when I was little, we would come and we would just have like I had Miss Amy as my teacher and she would just teach us a lot about like life lessons from starting from an early age. I knew this was what I was meant to do when I was little. I just knew that I had a feeling that I should be here and to spend as much time here as I could by helping out and helping other people, by helping spread God's word and the Bible. I thought, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. It's not just like how what my parents wanted to be. I realized that when I was in about like third grade that I was going to be here like for the rest of my life, like I was going to have everyone and like just the church family to be there, but I knew when I was a believer when like God stood by me by hard times and I felt that God was there and I felt his presence and he helps me think about the good times and not the bad times and made myself feel comforted when there was no one else to be around or like it just felt when no one was there and I feel like he's like he's pulled me out of dark places and like when I'm just sad and I don't want to do anything and I have zero lack of motivation I pray to him and I hope that he can help me get through anything. I feel like that's the time when I knew that I was a believer and that i was like supposed to be a part of
0: this church i think i became a christian when i was at mount hope in a vacation bible school i was about fourth grade and it was in the bus garage of all places because back then we didn't have all the different parts of the church that we have now i don't remember the lady's name who led me to christ and i was so excited i came home and i was jumping and telling my parents, oh, everybody's got to be a Christian, and I was really so excited about it. I think uh, as I became a teenager, I recommitted myself, still straight away, and I don't think I had the same commitment that I have today until I was probably near 30 years old when I had children, and my wife and I were coming to Mount Hope again by that time. Some of the stories uh, the witness how they have encountered uh, Christ. So this morning as I said earlier we are journeying and um, looking um, at different people who were around the cross of Jesus. This is based on a book that was written by Amy J. Levine uh, and we're kind of using that book as a springboard uh, so that we can apply the scriptures to our own lives. Um, the first week we heard about uh, Simon of Cyrene um, who took up Jesus' cross uh, and followed him. And then we looked at uh, some other conversations that Jesus had with other individuals who were asked to take up the cross and follow him. And one guy said he was not willing to leave his comfort zone. Things were too comfortable at home, and uh, he didn't quite want to leave the comforts uh, that come from not following Jesus. So he kind of wanted to stay back. Another guy said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you, but not today. Give me a couple of days, maybe tomorrow, maybe after March Madness is over, I'll come follow you, right? Like he just kind of was buying that time. And another guy was just not committed. He was like, yeah, yeah I want to follow you, but I want to do this other things as well. And Simon of Cyrene teaches us what it means for us to follow Jesus and that Jesus that we follow goes ahead of us and we take up the cross and follow. And last week, Pastor Joanne uh, preached about the two um, victims who were on both sides of Jesus. We've kind of have come to call them as the two thieves that were there. Uh, We don't really know what their crime was. We don't quite know what it is, but we see these two individuals. And one of the things that spoke to us where we were called to find ourselves in the story Was that one thief, the good one, said, remember me in your kingdom. And the other, the not so good thief, or at least that's how we've come to see him. I said, if you are truly the son of God, do something. Do something. If you're truly the son of God, help yourself and help me as well. And we were challenged and reminded that sometimes we need to pray those prayers. God, our God is a big God. And he can sometimes take those difficult prayers from us where we say, God, I need you to show up. I need you to show up in my life. And those were the lessons that we were left with last week. And so today we're going to be talking about the soldiers that were there around Jesus. And mostly we're going to be looking at the centurion. There uh, there are two centurions that are introduced to us in the Gospels. The first one comes to us in Matthew chapter 9 and kind of describes to us who a centurion is. And this is Matthew talking in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 8 verse 9. And this is how the centurion describes himself. For I myself, I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. And I say to my servant, "Do this," and he does. Here we can clearly see that the centurion is a man of power and influence. He um, he is commanding over a hundred soldiers uh, that are under him, and he is living in the city of Capernaum. Usually, a centurion is someone who uh, would have uh, risen up from the ranks. Uh, so, a soldier who is faithful, who showed some leadership skills, who showed some valor. He would be promoted to be a centurion and to take command over 100 soldiers. And in Matthew chapter eight, the centurion comes to Jesus in in the city of Capernaum. The city of Capernaum is north of uh, Jerusalem. So where Jesus' crucifixion is taking place is in the south. Jerusalem is in the south. And Capernaum is to the north. And that's right next to where uh, Jesus grew up in the city of Nazareth. Uh, And uh, and this centurion uh, is residing there. And he comes to Jesus. And this is what he says to Jesus. Verse 6. We hear these words from the centurion. He said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. That's all we hear. Centurion comes before Jesus, and we hear these words My servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. I think the way the centurion is communicating to Jesus is very similar to how my teenage daughter communicates to me Dad, I'm hungry. To that, I respond Hi, hungry. Come on, y'all know this joke. Hi, hungry, I'm dead, right? Or my friends are going to the mall. Great, they're helping the U.S. economy. Wonderful. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> right? The centurion doesn't ask Jesus what to do, he just simply comes and states, My servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. He wants Jesus to do something about it. And Jesus kind of picks up on the clue. And Jesus then offers to go to the centurion's home. He says, let me come uh, to your house. Because most of the time when Jesus performed a healing, there was contact that was there. Jesus usually touched somebody. uh, And when he touched, they were healed. There was this, uh, uh, he always did this. Whether it be a man who was paralyzed or whether it was somebody else who was suffering a different ailment, Jesus would usually... Touch an individual and they would be healed. And this centurion tells Jesus that he is unworthy. He is unworthy. This Roman soldier sees Jesus and he calls him Lord. And he says, Lord, I am unworthy for you to be to come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus is astonished by this centurion's faith, this Roman soldier's faith, that he saw something in Jesus that he calls him Lord. It's the same word that is used to describe the God of the Old Testament, Lord. And Jesus is astonished by his faith, and he says, Go, your servant is healed. Just say the word, and you will be healed and my servant will be healed. And Jesus heals the centurion's servant that day. But this morning the scripture that we read is about another centurion who's at the foot of the cross. See this centurion was present during the trial because he was in charge of the soldiers who would then take care of Jesus as he as Jesus was being condemned to be executed like his soldiers were the one who carried out the edict that was pronounced this centurion was there when the crowd was yelling crucify him crucify him and the chief priests and the uh, and those who were in charge of the temple came up to Pilate and said we much rather have barabbas released than Jesus everybody knew barabbas was not a nice guy he was a well-known criminal he's named here barabbas is named but when you look at the other two thieves they're not named but barabbas is because he was known by everybody that he was a criminal the centurion heard what jesus was accused of the centurion was there when the soldiers began to inflict pain on Jesus when they whipped him. The centurion was there when Jesus was given a crown that was made with thorns. The centurion was there when Jesus was stripped naked and then his clothes that were there were distributed among the different soldiers. He witnessed all of that. And even in witnessing that, the Old Testament scriptures were being fulfilled right before his eyes. Read in Psalm 22:18 that Jesus' clothes would be stripped and distributed to those who were at the cross. And this centurion also heard and saw a lot of things that day, friends i kind of want us to imagine what that would have been like what he was thinking or what he was processing see one of the biggest uh accusations given against jesus was that he was causing this insurrection that he wanted to overthrow the roman government and the centurion heard That charge against Jesus. And yet the centurion stands on the cross. Only a few friends were there. If he was in charge of an insurrection. And he was going to take over the Roman Empire. Where were all those people that Jesus fed? We read in the gospels. There were 5,000 people that Jesus fed. 5,000 men alone. Where were they? Where were all of those people? Where were all those individuals that Jesus healed? Where were all those people where Jesus cared for? That he provided for? I wonder what the centurion would was thinking as he stood there at the cross. As he saw Jesus naked, hanging on a cross, crucified by the soldiers. And a big sign that read, King of the Jews. That's what the centurion and also the centurion heard all the conversations that took place between Jesus and those of the cross. The centurion heard but Jesus looked at his mother, his earthly mother, and he said, Today, my disciple John will care for you. He heard those words. He heard those words. Uh, That the two criminals who were hanging next to Jesus, that conversation that took place between both of them, he heard one of them say, Remember me in paradise. Remember me in your kingdom. The centurion heard all those things. I think the centurion also heard the words that Jesus pronounced Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Centurion was right there at the cross. One of the questions that Amy Jill Levine, uh, the author of the book, poses is, can we forgive the Centurion? felt like it was an interesting question for us to battle with. Can you, can, you, can you forgive this guy? Because he was a man of power, as I talked earlier. He was in charge of all these people and he was there in Pilate. when Pilate was the one who washed his hands he knew the trial was just a scam to get an innocent man killed he was there was the centurion innocent in what he did should the centurion be forgiven i would say yes, the centurion should be forgiven because he was there at the cross and he was not worthy of grace or forgiveness but yet he's given forgiveness and grace just like you and me are given forgiveness and grace just like me, that centurion deserves forgiveness friends, I think that is the beauty of this story is that he is in need of grace just as much as you and I are in need of God's grace. Each one of us here is in need of God's grace. Each one of us is in need of that forgiveness that comes from Christ. The centurion then turns and says, truly, this man is the son of God. Friends, today I want to ask you this question as to where you would find yourself in the story. Where you would see Jesus. How would you see Jesus today? What is it that Jesus would have said to you. That you can turn around and say. Yes. That is God. And he died on the cross. So that I can have a relationship. With the living God. The centurion that we met. In Mark chapter 8. He saw things from a distance. He saw what Jesus did. And he knew that Jesus was Lord. And he declares that. Or maybe you need to hear the words of Jesus. Maybe you need to read that sign that says, King of the Jews. Maybe you need to hear those words, Father, forget them. That offer of forgiveness is before each one of us today. And friends, if you've never said yes to Jesus, today I want to offer you. And opportunities to say yes to Jesus. If you've never had a relationship with God. And you've heard about Jesus from a distance. And not quite understood what it all that it means. And your eyes are open today. I want to offer you to say yes to Jesus today. And saying yes to Jesus simply is this. To say God yes. I am unworthy of your grace. I have sinned. Forgive me that's it. That is as simple as that. And you and I can have a relationship with the living God when we do that. Will you pray with me? God, at this time, we come before your presence thanking you for dying on the cross for our sins. Dying on the cross, so that we can be forgiven of our sins, of our misdoings, of all our wrongs. Thank you for your grace that surrounds us. God, we ask that you would be with us. For those who have said yes to you for the first time, we thank you that your spirit continues to work in our hearts. May they continue to grow in your grace. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.